Welcome back to the Traverse Theatre's Open Submissions Workshop podcast, where we give you the tools to take you from idea to draft. Today's workshop, led by Matilda Ibini and Natasha Sutton-Williams, is on writing with and representing disability. If you're enjoying the series so far, we'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us at Traverse Theatre or email us info at traverse.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get these workshops straight to your feed as soon as they're released each Wednesday. Hello and welcome to our talk on writing with and representing disability in theatre. My name is Natasha Sutton-Williams and I'm a playwright, a composer, an actor and a journalist. And my name is Matilda Ibini and I'm a playwright, screenwriter and I like to think of myself as a theatre maker too. And so a quick disclaimer about our talk. Um, it will be very informal. It'll just be me and Natasha having a chat. Um, so we'll be talking about our experiences of uh, writing and creating theatre around disability and disabled characters. Um, so all of this is kind of based on our own experiences. So it's not gospel. Um, uh, we're not coming from in a place of an authority. It's more um, us as artists reaching out to other artists. Um, so take anything that works for you, um, anything that doesn't, discard, but just kind of everything we say can take with a pinch of salt. And your own techniques may work better than what we're discussing. And obviously, um, theatre is an evolving um, evolving entity so we're all learning and the representation of disability may be quite different in six months time and a year's time and five years time so we're all kind of learning together um, and also specificity is key when we're talking about disability because it's such a broad term so in terms of my experience um, I am writing a musical called Lesbian Pirates which is about uh, the real-life lesbian pirates Anne Bonny and Mary Reed in 1717 battling the patriarchy in the Caribbean. And that show is disability-led, so the protagonists are disabled and uh, many of the other cast are disabled. And I am very interested in representing disabled characters' sexuality and their desires, and so Lesbian Pirates is very much um, a piece about sexuality and disability as well as a host of, of other things. And in my experience of writing um, I've written or tend to write um, a lot of characters with either physical impairments or wheelchair users as I myself am a wheelchair user um, so that's where a lot of my uh, stories and experiences uh, come from. Uh, so I wrote a play called Little Miss Burden which was an autobiographical play about growing up with uh, two, two non-disabled siblings in a very Christian Nigerian household in East London um, and I was the only in real life I was the only person in my family with a disability and so so was the character in the story. Um, and again, that story is very specific about the experiences of growing up with a physical impairment and that <clears throat> uh, why specificity is key is because I, I feel comfortable writing about um, characters with physical impairments, but that's a whole different ball game when you're writing about maybe characters with a visual impairment or characters who are deaf. So specifying what, or at least knowing what um, kind of disability your character has is, is key to developing them. 
And also knowing the kind of inner workings of that disability, both, you know, uh, psychologically, physically, obviously there's lots of invisible disabilities that um, we're kind of representing more. Um, what, you know, spiritually, sexually, all these kind of things. So we really want to create three-dimensional three-dimensional characters, whether they're disabled or not. So um, as part of your craft as a writer, part of your job is to thoroughly develop three-dimensional characters, regardless of whether they're disabled or not. So you do need just as much development and thought about a disabled character's journey as much as any other character. Um, you also need to develop secondary and peripheral characters, not just your main character. So when, if you've got a play and you've got um, your protagonist, your main character, but you've got four other characters, even if they only come in for one scene, you need to know their background, you need to know their foreground, what's going to happen to them in the future, you need to know all about their thoughts and feelings, their triggers, um, their secrets. So what we're saying is it's not just about protagonists and um, disabled protagonists. If you have a disabled uh, secondary character or peripheral character, you really need to understand their whole world and their whole state of being. Yeah, um, I find, especially writing for uh, disabled protagonists where they're the main character, um, it's, it's really ex important to explore who they are as a character. So you know, no, no, in, in real life, no one person is made up of their, they're not just their condition or their disability, but they have so many other facets to their identity. And those things are worth exploring too, when you're creating your characters. Um, you want to really interrogate um, why this character is disabled, essentially, and, and, and how that affects their perspective um, in the story, as a character, their relationships to other people. Um, you want to explore how that rubs up against the story and or, 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 or not. Um, but what you want to be mindful of is to not perp uh, perpetuate um, a stereotype. So you want to really interrogate your story, your characters, their intentions, their motives, but also how their disability also plays, plays a part in that. Um, that their disability is more than just a plot point. Yeah, and when uh, you're writing for disabled um, secondary or peripheral characters, um, as I said, all disabled or non-disabled characters should be developed, even if they're not the main characters. They need to be just as rich, just as colorful and deep as the protagonist, and essentially not just a mouthpiece for information or exposition. Again, this is whether the character is disabled or not, but if they are disabled in a secondary or a peripheral character, just having a really serious think about how that disability affects the story, how it affects them, maybe how it affects other, other people in relation to them, but they need to be just as rich because let's say you turn the story on its head and suddenly went, actually, I want to tell this story from this secondary character's point of view, and now they're going to be my main character. It's just having a very, very rich world. Exactly. And I think it's uh, just like all the characters you write, they all have flaws. And the most compelling characters have really uh, intricate, interesting flaws. And that's no different from um, writing disabled characters, that your disabled characters too should have flaws, because at the end of the day, we're all human. Um, so it's 
I think you have to go beyond what you've seen uh, perpetuated in mainstream society and stories in terms of disabled people or disabled characters are not just saints or villains, but actually uh, it's it's far more complex than that, like in real life, that no no one thing or one person is ever just truly good or truly evil, but they're made up of so many different things that um, that that influence them, that that direct their action, that affect their behavior. And that's no different when creating disabled characters. Starting to think about how you develop your characters. Now we're going to talk a little bit about narratives around disability. Um, so disability should really be enriching your story and never used as an add-on. If you're just using it as an add-on, then it's not going to work. It's a bit like putting um, a, a crazy clown hat on a character who's in, you know, an office situation. What what is this? What is this adding? What is it? Um, it it's just kind of incongruous. So you really need to think about embedding disability into your characters and understanding the barriers your characters may face due to not simply their disability, um, whether it's physical or uh, invisible, but also their environment and their community. So maybe, um, uh, Matilda, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that because you, um, as a, as a writing for wheelchair users, you have a great depth of knowledge as opposed to someone that hasn't um, hasn't got that experience and they may have chatted to a couple wheelchair users, but they're not really understanding exactly what happens on a kind of day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, um, I think it's really important as writers when we are writing out of our out of our um, ex our own experiences or or even information that um, uh, you kind of reach out to people that if you don't personally know anyone or haven't had experiences of a particular kind of disability um, that it's it is it is worthwhile getting in contact with someone and um, finding out a way to not just kind of um, you're not just approaching them for the sake of like, oh, it's because I'm developing a story around this character, but you want to develop an understanding that means that the character is portrayed in a in a much more uh, meaningful way. Because I think when <clears throat> when um, when at least historically, when we look at the depiction of disabled characters, it tends to be from the non-disabled perspective, and at times that means your imagination is slightly limited from a lack of awareness, a lack of um, knowing anyone from that particular community. And what your work shouldn't do is further harm a community by continuing to perpetuate a stereotype stereotype that then harms their experience in the world in the real world. So I think it's always important to kind of reach out if you can and also be honest about your intention as a writer that you want to be able to depict something um, with with far more honesty and authenticity and you want to engage in that community and better understand the barriers they face and how the condition affects the way they um are able to move through the world um and i don't think <clears throat> i think i think we have a responsibility as as artists to uh to be honest and open about that but also be uh thoughtful in our approach when approaching people because sometimes this can be quite sensitive um, um it, uh, this is this can be quite um 
sensitive, it can be quite a sensitive subject and you don't really want to go around just asking people to share their pain with you or share their most traumatic events with you, but rather that you're trying to build a character and you want to kind of be informed in a more um, meaningful and um, authentic way. Mm. So, yeah, um, it's, it's kind of about being honest about your intention as a writer mm. to depict disabled characters. And when approaching members of those disabled communities, um, when you want to find out more about a condition, it's about gaining an um, understanding and being inspired. And when you receive that information, it's like a springboard for your writing, as opposed to kind of taking word for word verbatim someone's uh, personal experience. And research is really important. Um, and talking to people, because um, no disabled person is an oracle. Then they're, they're not an oracle of everyone in their community. Um, they are, they, they, no one person can speak for an entire community. So um, it's worth getting different perspectives and finding different people and asking those people that you meet if they're, if they're um, open to it, to introducing to other people to see what, how their um, experiences are either uh, different or similar and looking and, and, and really um, exploring why that is within your story. Um. Yeah, because I think that let's say you were writing a character that was a physiotherapist. The best thing for you to do is go off, do a load of research, talk to a physiotherapist, but maybe don't just talk to one physiotherapist, talk to multiple ones because they will all have a different perspective on their profession. So same thing with the disabled community. If you are writing a character who has cerebral palsy, let's say, talk to lots of different people, if, if they're happy to, um, about, about their experience so you can get inspired because again, there's a spectrum. <clears throat> and there's also a spectrum with disabilities in terms of with every single disability, some people are going to like, for example, um, if you're visually impaired, some people are going to be like 100% blind. Some people are going to be visually impaired just slightly. And then there's a whole breadth of other people. So it's about really trying to investigate and interrogate that whole community, that whole world. And then you go, okay, my character is going to be this for this reason. And you've really got a whole You've got a bunch of information and knowledge to back up that idea as opposed to they're blind because they're in a horror film and that would be like that would be the creepiest thing. Okay, so let's um, let's talk a little bit about casting and working with disabled performers. So if your work uh, if you are writing or creating work and you want to open it open up the way you cast um, a good essentially tip I was given was sometimes being quite clear when you're describing your characters in the in the cast list um, so that it's an invitation for a performer um, who might meet that criteria to make it their own. So for example, when I wrote Little Miss Burden, um, all the sisters are black because I have black sisters, but specifically Little Miss Burden, I've written that that character can be performed by someone uh, with a physical impairment and or a wheelchair user that 
um, I'm open. I'm, it doesn't have to be just because I'm a wheelchair user now or that in the story, the character has to be a wheelchair user, but it could also be someone with a physical impairment. And I think it's giving space and room for the um, performers to um, make those characters their own. Um, and, and that's just kind of like a really small starting point in terms of trying to open out uh, characters and, and casting to maybe characters that you may not have thought were disabled um, in the story, but could be performed by disabled performers. Yeah, and that's a really great invitation because if you feel, if you're writing a piece that, let's say you were writing a piece that's like, actually, it doesn't matter what gender these characters are, or you're writing a piece a bit like Sarah Kane's, um, the name escapes me, the uh, psychosis one, 448 psychosis. Yeah, 448 psychosis. That is can be performed by one performer, that can be performed by 100 performers, if you're writing something that's a little bit more abstract in that way. But even if you're writing, let's say, a, a kitchen sink drama, and you've written it, and you go, actually, you know what? One of the, I'm open to actually having a disabled actor perform this. I haven't written it as a disabled character. However, I'm open to this being cast in, uh, with uh, disabled performers in mind and then you can work with the director you can work with that actor and go okay so if Bobby um, was um, was deaf um, or had a hearing impairment how would that affect the story and I, then suddenly all this kind of enriching material comes out what we do what we're not trying to say is on the one hand, we're saying if you were specifically writing a disabled character, you really need to mine that world. So that's one kind of example of writing for uh, disabled characters and obviously disabled performers. But in another way, it's like I've got this. How about um, let's say you were doing an adaptation of um, a View from a Bridge by Arthur Miller. What if one of those characters was disabled? Then what happens and what opens up there? So it's, um, we're kind of discussing two different areas of thought on this. And I think it's just, um, it's worth exploring in the sense of, um, to, to stop us looking at disability as a kind of tick box exercise, that by just simply having a disabled character is enough, or, or, or even just um, having a, uh, having just a single disabled, uh, performer in an entire show is enough but actually disability is such a spectrum that how does how can the performer and their skills inform um, inform the story in new ways in interesting ways um, it should be essentially like an invitation to collaborate that um, because the work is still developed, like the work is never finished, even when it's on the stage, it's still, you're still re refining it and honing it and it changes in the rehearsal room. Um, so it's kind of making your work a little more open, a little more accessible and not falling into the essential traps at times or um, uh, kind of this yeah, I'd say, yeah, a kind of cycle where only you, you people or artists only want to work with uh, disabled performers who have the minimal list of access needs. Like that's that in itself is another kind of form of discrimination where you only want to work with people whose access needs fit into a certain box. And that's not collaboration. That's not what theatre is about. Theatre should be opening up, not not shutting down.
And it's a similar thing with similar thing in terms of race. It's a similar thing in terms of gender. It's a similar thing in terms of sexuality. You know, why can't this char character be Indian? Why can't this character be South American? Why can't this character be a woman? Why can't this character be bisexual? Why can't this character be um, non-binary? You know, all this stuff that people are thinking about. And so how can you think about that in terms of disability? And I think there's also this thing that people are genuinely scared and people are also scared mm -hmm. to offend. And I think it's like, if you're willing to kind of open up and be open to the fact that you might say something wrong, someone else might say something wrong, but like, let's try to kind of work together and, and push through this so that actually people do have more opportunities and you're going, I actually don't know about this, can you tell me about this? As opposed to going, I don't want to offend, I don't want to go to that, like, I don't want to get into that troubled place, this feels like a lot of work, I'm just gonna leave it and let somebody else do it. So what we're trying to say is we want to like, we want to encourage people to be as open as they possibly can, as inclusive as they possibly can, especially in this moment um, where, see, and also this thing that, um, you know, one in five people are disabled, right? So mm -hmm. why is that not being represented on stage? If theater is a representation of the human condition, it's a representation of, of like community and community coming together, how come we're not seeing more disabled characters? Um, it's there, it's real. It's actually something that people can respond to because they have specific experiences. And even if they don't have a specific experience, maybe their sister does, maybe their grandma does, maybe their uncle does, you know. So it's actually, what you're doing is you're mining the human condition. So it's actually, it, it provides drama, it provides action, it provides authenticity and reality to your work, which can only be a good thing. Definitely, definitely, 100% agree. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit, Matilda, about writing for disabled performers? Yes. <clears throat> So I guess, um, especially when I was uh, writing Little Miss Burden, for example, um, I think it's important to think about um, how how the performer can inform the work, um, and how and and that's kind of like one of the like truest tenets of theatre is that kind of collaboration where the writer can not just you're not just writing a play or just writing the story, but how when you when your your work is a kind of invitation to bring collaborators on board. So when um, writing for disabled performers, you're kind of you want to leave. It's almost like you want to leave gaps in your work. Not that I'm not saying you you don't finish the script, but um, you're kind of leaving gaps maybe in the some of the characterizations for the actor um, for the disabled performer to fill in for the disabled performer to um, kind of like clues or hints um, that help them discover but also build the character for themselves um, because all disabled performers have so many skill sets you know anything from circus to singing to um, uh, not just music but um, to rap to to any kind of um, uh, live art performance skill and you kind of want to bring that out you want to show you want your performer to be able to not just be this incredible incredible character that you're writing but 
that they're also able to bring their best selves, their best skills to the table. And like, I think what was really great when I was writing was um, discovering in the like, rehearsal period, at least, discovering what those skills were and how could we make, how could we best make use of this? Um, the actress that I wrote, um, Perform, um, wrote for was incredibly funny, just really naturally had this brilliant comic timing. And I thought, I need to use that. That's, that's such a brilliant skill. I want to create scenes or scenarios where we can, that can come across. Um, so I think it's really, um, yeah, I think like trying to allow your work to feel like it's an invitation uh, for a performer to step into and, and for them to discover how can they best not just portray this character, but also how, how can some of the skills that they have be useful for this character? Yeah, and um, with your piece, Little Miss Burden, you knew that they were going to uh, be in a wheelchair or have a physical impairment in some yeah. way, right? Yeah. When um, we did the first R&D, the first research and development um, of lesbian pirates, uh, we knew we wanted to work with three female identifying um, disabled performers, but we were super open to having anyone that was kind of right for the show, which was uh, an important thing was they really needed to be able to sing. So we needed to have disabled performers that were fantastic singers, but we weren't, um, we didn't, uh, like screw down what those specific disabilities were going to be. Now, maybe later in the project, we might go, okay, they really need X, Y, and Z. But currently at this moment, I'm like, it, it, it doesn't, the story, they are disabled characters, but the show is not about their disability. They just happen to be disabled. So you can work it in different ways. Those are two different ways, Little Miss Burden and Lesbian Pirates both working with um, disabled performers, but in slightly different ways. So um, talking about um, lesbian pirates, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about depicting sexuality in disabled characters. And this is something that I think is really fa fascinating and really underutilized. Um, Traditionally, disabled characters have been robbed of their sexuality and their sense of desire and being desirable. So like all characters, they will have a sexuality, whether it is inherently developed within them or not. So what I mean by that is you might have a character who is super promiscuous, or you might have a character who is asexual, or you might have a character who is quite nervous sexually. So you can have all these, just like with um, able-bodied characters. So we need to be thinking about disabled characters and them having a sexuality. And again, on the spectrum, where does that particular character lie? Absolutely. Um, and also thinking about, um, the potential that gives to disabled performers to play sexual beings. Um, it's exciting, rich territory that hasn't, if I'm honest, been fully explored. Um, there's so much, I feel like the term that you um, said, Natasha, in terms of like disabled characters have been robbed is such a, is so true. It's so true to um, 
the the depictions at least that we've seen and i think in order to write authentic compelling disabled characters you need to be thinking about all facets of their identity as you would do with non-disabled characters and sexuality is a facet of all of our identities regardless of where we fall on the spectrum of sexual identity it is there and not addressing that in disabled characters does such a disservice to not just the storytelling to that character but also the 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 representation then we then see on stage and then take and replicate in real life um so think so thinking about and addressing that in the story or at least in your in the the development of your character should be um is really important as as with all the other facets about how your character relates to other characters um whether or not they fall in love you know you can't forget that disabled uh parents do exist disabled people are having sex they are having children uh, that is just a fact of life so that too should be represented in storytelling and in your characters yeah and jellyfish um that was on at the Bush and then transferred to the National is a really good example of a play which has a disabled um, a, a disabled parent in it, and it's all about um, her having this baby and how society is like, no, you shouldn't do that. And she's like, yeah, I, I'm going to be a mom and like I want to do this and I'm going to do it, you know. So it's really interesting and unusual territory that really has not been mined in the way so you know this idea of the untold stories untold narratives like there's actually really rich stuff out there and if you want to kind of put yourself um if you kind of want to show yourself uh like a spotlight of you in the crowd that kind of story is is very interesting and and we need more people to talk about that I'm um, also um, addressing the historical depiction of disabled characters in narratives. The, you know, they've been, there just hasn't been this three-dimensional work. So that's what we're really trying to encourage is we're trying to encourage this three-dimensional, no one is a villain, no one is a saint. Um, where do they lie on the sexual spectrum? Um, where do they lie on the moral spectrum? Um, how do they relate to their environment? Um, how do other people relate to them in their environment? All this kind of stuff. It's like, um, it's really rich territory to, to be thinking about. And it's kind of, it's not, it should never be seen as extra work. Like this is the work as writers we do when developing all our characters. And that should never be an exception just because your character is disabled or that you're working with a disabled performer, that actually this is this is our responsibility, is to make sure all the characters we are developing are, are three-dimensional and, and dynamic and have flaws, but also have intentions and desires across all facets of our identities because that is what it means to be human. So um, now we're going to talk a little bit about um, writers who uh, have disabilities. Um, if you are a disabled writer, you are allowed to write about other subjects that have nothing to do with disability. So never feel, <laughs> <laughs> um, never feel pressured to write about your personal experience. The same can be said about 
BAME writers, LBGTQ plus writers. Um, you don't have to write about your personal experience and your personal experiences may lead you to themes and subjects that you want to write about. For instance, um, uh, social prejudices or jealousies or, um, you know, there's just so, you know, friendship, love, all this kind of like really big subject matter, war, you know, you don't have, um, you don't have to specifically write a play about your personal experience. I mean, Matilda, you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, and as someone who has written about their personal experience, um, I think that's it for me in terms of a piece, Little Miss Burden was like my piece de resistance of that. I've written something very close to home about what it was like for me to grow up um, with my very particular kind of condition in my very particular kind of household and culture. Um, however, when I go forward and write other things, whether they be about bullying and or the tech world or, or climate change, that lens of being a black disabled queer woman will always be in all my work, like whether I want it to or not, because of that's that's part that play, that's part of my voice as a writer that our voices are essentially like a kind of amalgamation of our identities, uh, of our experiences. And that gives us a very particular way of looking at the world and experiencing the world and the topics. So you could give, you could commission 10 writers all to write about climate change and they'll all come up with 10 very different plays because we've all come from different walks of life. We've all had different experiences and all of those things inform our voices as writers. So even if I don't go on to write any more things about my childhood, but just my lens of what I've seen growing up in the world, what I've experienced, will shape the way I look at certain topics or things that interest me or things that I want to investigate and find out more about. Um, and I think for me, at least personally, I think I write a lot about disability now because I want to remind people essentially that disabled people exist in the world. We have been, we have always been here and definitely aren't going anywhere. And so why can't disabled people then exist in an imagined world? Um, the same can be said for all marginalized groups, including women, that uh, people that are pushed out of spaces and deplatformed, there are so many people in the world. And your job as a writer is to capture that variety of work and experiences, that variety of how the, ver the varying ways um, humans can exist in the world. Um, and, and I kind of feel really passionately about it when I'm writing disabled characters because I'm trying to show that disabled people, there is no one face of disability. There is no one uh, mold of disability. There's no one shape. There's no one expression of disability. That disability is so varied because the human race is. Also, it's this thing of, it's not a tick box exercise because you're engaging with characters who have incredibly rich stories. And so why not utilize that? And why not put something on stage that people haven't seen before? Isn't that, you know, when we go see a show and we're just like, yawn, I've like seen this so many times. Like, I want to see new things. 
you know, and everyone's talking about these untold stories that they, that they're so desperate to hear. Well, okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know, um, I, it is worth, it, it is worth really seriously considering. Um, so we've basically, we've talked about developing your characters, developing three-dimensional characters, whether they're able-bodied characters or disabled characters, and really doing your research and talking to a, like a wide range of people in, um, in the disabled community. Um, we've talked about um, disabled characters like able-bodied characters have personality flaws because they're human, they're not saints and they're not villains. Um, we've talked about narratives around disability and how disability needs to enrich your story and it's not just an add-on. We've talked about um, casting and working with disability, um, disabled performers and that um, that not that, that there's different different approaches to making your work more inclusive um, and that it shouldn't um, like we said earlier, it, sh it should not feel like a tick box exercise but actually your responsibility as a storyteller is to represent the world and the people in it yeah we've um we've talked about depicting sexuality in disabled characters and you know thinking are they gay straight bisexual asexual pansexual other sexual um and we've also talked about um, disabled writers, so writers that have some kind of disability and how don't feel pressured into having to write your story. And that's the only um, thing that, that, that you have any um, expertise on, because as a human, you have you know, a wide variety of, of opinions and thoughts about the world, so, so express those. So we've been asked to answer some quick fire questions. How about it, Natasha? Yes, indeed. Um, okay, well, I'll, <laughs> um, I'll ask you, what has been your most memorable theater experience as a theater goer? Okay, uh, I've had lots. I've been very fortunate to have lots, usually made by incredible um, friends. Um, but one that really stood out for me very early on in my career, um, I went to go see a show called Bears in Space. And what was really, other than the title, what was really brilliant um, about it was um, it used puppetry. And uh, I'd never, that was my first experience of at least seeing something kind of like a show that had puppetry in it that wasn't necessarily like aimed at children. Um, and it was just brilliant. Like it opened my mind in a way, uh, in a way of how imaginative it was. Uh, the performers were incredible and the, the, the storytelling was brilliant. Um, and it just kind of really reminds me when I think of that show to put all, all my favorite things that I enjoy as a theater goer into my work, that my taste as a theater goer is also the things I want to create. I want to make people laugh and feel moved and feel a little bit different when they leave the, the theatre. Um, so, Natasha, I'm going to ask you, do you ever struggle with creative blocks? If so, how do you get over it? Um, I would lie and say I never have creative block. What are you talking about? Um, I think if you're really, if you're really, really struggling, um, I think it's worth writing something else for fun in a different medium to keep your 
writing juices flowing. So, you know, writing a piece of poetry, writing in a journal, writing a song, um, really writing in any other medium and just going, okay, this is just a bit of fun. There's no pressure to that. If that, if you're really struggling with that, I would say do something else creative, like playing an instrument, drawing, reading, um, you know, going playing with your nephews or, you know, just doing something fun and creative. You know, you could make like a, a den with, with um, kids that you hang out with or whatever. And if that still doesn't, you come back to your work and you're still like, okay, I, I can't deal with this. Then just do anything else and give your mind a rest because your mind is saying like, I'm not, I've, I'm not energized for this. So it is important, although I don't necessarily take my own advice to take a break. So um, uh, Matilda, um, is there a particular play or writer that's inspired you? This was a very hard question, um, but one that came to mind that I really um, enjoy uh, is the work of Terrell Alvin McCraney. Um, he wrote the play Brothers Size, um, which is part of this incredible trilogy um, inspired by kind of Yoruba cosmology um, and religion. Um, he also wrote the play that was adapted into the film Moonlight. I think the, the play was when, is it in Moonlight when black boys look blue? Um, I hope I've gotten that right. Um, but it's, yeah, I love his work. It's so, um, it's always feels so uh, personal and like really specific, but that's where you find like the universal that, he he writes so beautifully about kind of things we all experience and i'd say maybe spe specifically as a as a black people um and um he just and and his kind of ways of using kind of like magical realism i'm a huge fan of um it's just yeah i just feel like i really enjoy reading going back to his plays because i always feel like i read them and learn something new mm. Um, how about you, Natasha? Why do you think theatre is important? So again, this is a pretty uh, difficult question, but um, it is a communal space. And it's a communal space where we get to share someone else's imagination. So by sharing someone else's imagination, you gain insight into another perspective and can find out your own perspective. So it might challenge your perspective. So um, the you might be stepping into the writer's imagination. You might be stepping into the uh, director's animation, the composer's imagination, the actor's imagination, the ensemble's imagination. And why I really like theater is that I feel it's a medium where like child's play, a stick, can become a hundred different things on stage, just like when children play. So theatre is one of the only mediums that you can do this. And it creates space where you can look at things differently. So like this, the stick can become a sword, the stick can become a telescope, the stick can become a cane, the stick become, can become a measuring stick. And basically the stick is transforming. And we can, as an audience, we can suspend our disbelief and go, yep, that stick is now a pipe. I love that. Yeah, the stick is transforming. I love that because it feels like if you can make, if you can look at an inanimate yeah, object differently, 
you can look at human like ourselves differently yeah the um the stick transforms is actually the new play that i'm writing it's about a stick transforming um so what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given Ooh, um it's a big question but i think thinking about some of the people that might be listen listening and watching i think it's about being patient because writing is the long game. It is a long game career. There aren't overnight successes. Those things just don't happen. Um, it takes forever to write a play. <laughs> so you need a lot of patience with yourself, with the industry, but also uh, a lot of patience as you develop your craft. Like that, that the hours and the years that's gonna take um, I think just being being patient with yourself as you learn um, and being persistent. Uh, this is an industry with a lot of rejection um, and it can be really painful, especially earlier. I mean, actually, rejection doesn't really ever get any easier. I think you just get better at being able to move forward. Mm -hmm. But um, mm. I think being really persistent that this is what you want to do. You want to, you want to tell stories. You want to collaborate with other artists. You want to put your stories out into the world and hope they have some kind of effect. And, and I think you, you kind of have to have like reminders as to why you're doing this. Um, because it can get really, um, it can get really difficult and take a while to see things, to see your work on the stage or for you to be in something or direct something. So be patient and persistent. Um, and don't give up after your first try. Like I've written tons of terrible plays that I'm very grateful will never see the light of day, but they are terrible. But by writing those terrible plays, I wrote better ones. I could, mm -hmm. I could never write the better ones if I didn't start at terrible. Mm -hmm. And there's um, a video that um, I'm gonna try and send a link to so that people can watch. And it's this um, this rapper who um, it says something like on my this is the 63rd try and he basically wraps the alphabet. But it's like all these different words that begin with A, all these different words that begin with B. But he's had to record it 63 times to get it right. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it is pretty like it is pretty amazing. So it's like, you know, things take things can take 63 goes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I think that's a really great place to end. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, Natasha, as always. Um, and thank you all for whoever's listening out there. <laughs> I'm hoping. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and um, peace out. Yeah. Take care. You can watch or listen to all available open submissions workshops on our website. For more information and to support our talent development work, please see the Support Us page on our website. Every donation makes a huge difference. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to join us next Wednesday for Claire Duffy's workshop on writing dialogue. Until then, get writing and good luck.